we are talking about a comic book which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Did you introduce the number? Nope, not at all. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to episode 78 of the Trade Secrets Podcast, right? 78? Sure. Because we've got, we've got all hail Megatron before we, do, um, before we do Transmet. So we've got... Yeah, 78. So we're on episode Holy shit, we got them both right. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is the Trade Secrets Podcast. I am your host, Aesopsis. Aesopsis? Are you a pagan god? Hi, Andy. Hi. Hi, Joel. Hi. Hi, Ann. Oh, hi. What's up? Hi, Eddie. Oh, hi. I'm Luke. We're all here. We're all tired. We're talking about stuff. Luke, uh, stuff. We, uh, we, uh, we refuse to comment on negativity today, so nope, we are going it. to be entirely, we're going we're gonna to have an entirely positive podcast because everybody really wants happiness right now. So and let's model how we can critique a work of art. Yeah. Well, not being a huge <laughs> dick. Well, then what, then I you got... mean that people who listen to our show don't want an objective review of everything? Okay. Well, then, then, objectively. Uh, well, I need to change my character. So for the rest a... of the episode, I am super positive Asian Jimmy Chan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's do this, guys. Hello, Ann, Joel, Andy, Luke. Yes. <laughs> let's get this right. And then let's go get some Weiss. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. I love Japanese people. I'm just going to say that. You realize that if I You're said trouble. that, You're I would trouble. be super racist. <laughs> but you know, still works. <laughs> I, I did not hear bling bling or money maker at all <laughs> in that conversation. I'm not accepting it as, you know. Uh, we wiggle, started wiggle, out talking wiggle. about we started out talking about video games because we're all gamers and yes. we're about to turn this into an episode of uh, after the fact. We almost but, did. Uh, we are uh, actually talking about the Trade Secrets podcast today, and we are uh, going to be reviewing the first five issue, first trade of Brian Jail. a standalone thing. I do not believe oh, there's further. It's, yeah, it's, that's it. This is it. Wait, that's no, it? I don't think so, because it's is a pretty true? big cliffhanger at the end, and I'm pretty sure it keeps going. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's an ongoing. Well, I've been subscribing to this, and it stopped coming because it's over. That's it? Well, no. there might be a break, like there was with Pretty it, Deadly. Because oh, Pretty yeah, Deadly yeah, yeah. had like a three-month. So, like, Pretty Deadly and um, Deadly Sex class, Criminals. Deadly Class. Is a, uh, yeah, yeah like, there's a couple that are on break Sex right Criminals now. was on a break for a couple months. Oh, yeah. It's back now. And I, better I'm than pretty, ever. I'm pretty I, I sure. I think that would be a recovery period, actually, is what it would be called. Yeah. Refractory. Refractory period. A recovery period. So, I think with Furious... So it's f- Furious. We're talking about Furious. It's Brian J. L. Glass and Victor Santos, who are the same, uh, the same two guys that are currently doing Mice Templar. I know that there, there's there's not a lot of like news news in the comics industry right now. But last weekend, part of the reason why we we had some scheduling issues, we couldn't get this show out. So that's why we're coming to you a week late. Um, and FYI, so everyone knows, it won't delay our schedule further. So next week is actually when we're going to come out with our uh, All Hail Megatron episode so that we stay on, on point. On track. Um, but 
part of the reason we didn't record last weekend is because Anne was at Geek Girl Con. Hooray, Geek Girl Con. So why don't we talk about Geek Girl Con? This is a yearly con in Seattle. Um, and aside from the con, they they tend to like host social events year-round, which is lovely. They do, mm-hmm. you know, game nights and things like that. Um, as a con, uh, I'm, I'm going to... Look, this is a not objective review, but here we go. Uh, <laughs> so I Wait, to, you're giving us a subjective, subjective. review? Subjective. It turns out that... Opinions? I don't know what... Th- oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Um, the strengths of Geek Girl Con are that um, as a subjective female geek hanging out in a crowd that's like 70% female, 30% male is fucking empowering as shit. Um, yeah. That's, that is what it is. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... They have, like, this is not, like, necessarily the main draw for me, but they have a lot of really cool science. Like, science! Science! Um, not only Brilliant. do they have, like, a do science experiment section, but they also, like, sometimes NASA is there, and various tech companies are there. And what? in the past, they've had, like, people there with makeup teaching you how to confuse voice, uh, not voice, um, facial recognition software. And CIA like, recruitment with using yep. the uh, like the stripe patterns to yeah, throw yeah. off and yeah. st- <laughs> stuff like that. That yeah. Anyway, um, there were there were robot there were rad robots there. Uh, all and robots are rad. All robots are well. happy birthday, Polly. <laughs> uh, so we're, when was the fashion show? I didn't I, go to the, the to the costume contest <laughs> like no, all cons have, so, yeah. sir. Where's all the the girl stuff? Like where the the home ec? Oh my god! Holy! Uh, <laughs> so after hey, we look, have a discussion about sponsored lack by of Joy Dish Soap <laughs> and the dr- <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I just joking. Hate you all right and the now. driving no, and I'm the so driving much. classes. Oh, oh driving, those are the tropes of like everything. I I really enjoy the fact that they're so going for science and everything. When that's we geeky. talk about Joy tropes <laughs> and how they can be a huge pain in my asshole. Oh man! <sighs> and Lane Bryant. Anyway. I did. Oh, I'm sorry to derail I you. I did not go, go to the costume contest because I was too busy attending a panel on moving beyond Joseph Campbell's hero's journey and looking at alternate, uh, like, story structures for women's stories. It's very interesting. They, they have a fucking Joseph Campbell panel. Yeah. Um, so so what? It it can't be a heroine's journey, or is it? No, they're talking different? about heroine's journey, okay. and. And Wait, they have into the bloodstream. Are we talking? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, that, my, okay, my bad. My bad. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> only, only when it's it's Amanda Bynes. I thought you. Were, I, I don't know if yeah. she. Linda, I don't know. <laughs> only when we're talking <laughs> about the fury. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I thought you were talking about multiple use needles. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I could I could start talking craft, but I feel like that it might not sink. No, talk it, talk it, talk it. Yeah, cool. Uh, the there is no reason not to talk it. Um, One of their points was that, so Joseph Campbell's hero's journey is very like solo human out and back. Campbell himself was a dick um, and was pretty much like, so women don't need to go on hero's journeys, you see, because uh, they already have the seed of the world soul inside them and they just need to realize that they're already a quest object and then they'll be fine. (laughs) Already a quest object? I mean, he may not have said quest object. (laughs) Wait, he said this? (laughs) He did not say the words quest object. I put that in his mouth. But that's more or less what he meant. Um, okay, Campbell, so that, Campbell wasn't exactly the most progressive guy in the world. No, so. no. <laughs> it's funny how like, like that it, is my that 
this weekend, and that is going to be my pickup line. Hey, girl, how would you like to be a quest <laughs> yeah. Let me know how that goes. Sure. <laughs> After the third or fourth smack. No, because I know the hero's journey really has to do with uh, like the relationship between the father and the son. Yes, know? and there's like sometimes Campbell alludes to like some sort of Electra complex thing happening, but really his roles for women in the journey were as either the temptress or the goddess. Mm-hmm. They didn't spend too much time talking about Campbell aside from to sort of give him the finger, but uh, mm. they talked, they talked a lot about um, especially looking at like female hero centric geek things of the past 30 years. There's uh-huh. a lot of like emphasis on um, not just the, you know, chosen one, but also the community going with the chosen one. Like think about Buffy. Mm. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's more the of Scooby a communal, gang. exactly the Scooby Gang thing. Like more of a communal effort, more of like a <laughs> Scooby Gang. Kid, like I'm in this life, and it's not me trying to escape it to go to a special world to gain special knowledge. It's like shit coming to me, and me having to deal with it and take my community through it. Yeah, and your support so, structure. Um, yeah. To that end, Harry Potter technically is more of a heroine's journey than a hero's journey because it is, has those aspects, which I thought mm. was interesting. Um, but yes, I have thoughts. I have thoughts, and I'm going to write them down and um, talk about them on my blog. Which, if you don't follow, you should. Nbean.com. Blog, blog. So instead of so, aside from just that one panel, oh, yeah. like what what was involved in the rest of Geek Girl Con? Because I haven't been able to go yet. So, so honestly, in terms of creators, this year was weak. I've okay. seen a lot better years in the past. Um, the part of the reason why it was weak this year is because it was the same freaking weekend as New York City Comic Con and like yeah. five other cons. Yeah, that's. Did you see the? Four did planning. you see by the way? Um, that's that's a piece of news that we can talk about. Did you see that attendance wise, New York City Comic Con is actually larger was larger huh. than San Diego Comic Con. No yeah, well, um, it's New York. Yeah, yeah. but the point uh, the point is that a lot of people seem to believe that. Um, San Diego Convention Center is like the biggest one in the country, which it's clearly not. There's one in Chicago that's significantly yeah. larger, and Javits Center E2, E2. is actually bigger, um, yeah, at, like space wise, mm. which was proven by the fact that now New York City Comic Con has oh, a it's, higher it's attendance. Humongous. I actually I've gone the last five years. I had to work it, mm-hmm. but the last um, last year I didn't go, I didn't go this year, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and it is massive. Just the amount of representation of just the the halls and everything, and just when you think you feel like, oh, I've seen this place, you can go down a a stairwell and see all the other exhibit halls that they have there yeah. too. So it's it's ridiculous. I have I've heard I've never been. I likely will never go because the that whole concept of being larger than San Diego is not appealing to me even in the slightest. Yeah, hotels um, hotels in Manhattan. I. I got oh, a cheap, yeah. I got a cheap one for yeah. three eighty nine a night. So. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> we stayed. So that that's the thing. Like New York hotel rooms, Manhattan hotel rooms. Oh, if God. you're not paying three hundred plus dollars, the ones that you get are <laughs> like they're like a closet. Mm-hmm. We we stayed in one when we went to Manhattan. It's that was European. And that's not true, though. That's I've been I've stayed in European hotel rooms. They're not as bad as New York. I'd say shit. probably more more uh, more Asian, like Korea. <laughs> so the Japan. one that. Because those places are small, like yeah, yeah. T- that's tiny. Oh, yeah, yeah. they're they're in the style of Asian dilapidation. Yeah. Uh, the the hotel room that we stayed in, no joke, had a an eighteen had a queen size bed, and eighteen inches of space on either side of the bed, mm. around three sides of the bed, 
And the bathroom was so small that when I was sitting on the toilet, my knees were scraping on the bottom of the sink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, th- this is... Yeah, they're just but, going for efficiency. But, oh, are we yeah. talking about my old place? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, um, New York Comic Con is... It just, like, that, that concept of bigger, bigger, bigger is horrendous. Like, I don't understand... Like, people that I, uh, I, I... You know, I follow a lot of comic creators and I've talked to a lot of people who went this year and they said it was um, it was as bad as San Diego, if not worse, for the whole, like, shoulder-to-shoulder, uh, shoulder, like, yep. nose-to-ass. Like, in the hall, you couldn't move. You couldn't fucking get anywhere. Um, and it, I don't know why that's appealing to anyone. Like... Well, because if you're if you're having a party, right, more, bigger is better, and you want to yeah. you want more people around. I like a, Emerald a City better, like but like with, I with, prefer Emerald with City. Emerald City, yeah. with That's Emerald true. City and with PAX, like what I do enjoy is that there are some. Don't get me wrong. Like there was a day I know that when we were there for I missed Emerald City. Well, I think it was PAX. Anyway, there was a day <laughs> we were at a convention. I forget, but you know I was. The most popular day, it sucked because you like really couldn't move anywhere. You that was last year. Was, that was Saturday last year at PAX. Oh my god, it was so it was um, so bad. I was just like, I don't even want to be here right now. Because PAX last year as well uh, was it was the big um, the the next gen console next-gen reveal console, yep, stuff. So right. it was like it, like. There, it was actually smaller this year than it was yeah. last year. Yeah. That was nice. People didn't want to like they didn't want to say that out loud, but it actually yeah. was. There were fewer exhibitors. There were yeah. f- uh, slightly fewer people. Um, there you was know, no it, fireball. It was, it was nice. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It was nice that there were not as many people, but the show itself was just boring as it fuck was. to me. But um, moving around, it was way easier to navigate this year than it was last yeah. year. So, uh, so navigation to me, going to an event. Navigation is a big is a big like top five thing. If I can navigate yeah. really easy and move around without freaking tripping, being bumped, like stuff like that, like e- like perfect example, like Evo, right? Plenty of space to move around. So when somebody bumped into me, I'm like, okay, you had to bump into me on purpose <laughs> because there is plenty of space over there for you to walk through. So I mean, I, New York City and San Diego, it's like you're not going to be able to avoid something yeah. like that. I, I hate. San Diego so much. <laughs> I hate it. I've never I have I have literally never No, 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 that's not true. There's one person that I know that says positive things about San Diego and nobody else, not an not attendees, not um not Creators. artists, not guests. Most nobody the, likes it. I like it. I still think it's something really? that Really? Yeah. I, okay. I, I like I like San Diego. I don't like San Diego Comic Con. That's what I'm talking about. I'm yeah. not talking about San Diego the city. I'm talking about Comic Con. Nobody likes San Diego yeah. Comic Con. I still think it's something you should probably do at least once. I mean, San Diego it, and New York. I have there never was, done it. I would like to do each of those things once. There's the yeah. discussion yeah. that we were talking about. Um, I don't think we talked about it on the show at all, but um, in the last few weeks, there's been this big discussion about San Diego Comic Con specifically. There was a thing that we did talk about a little bit on the show where... Um, Dave, I don't know if anybody knows who's Dave, who Dave Dorman is. He's an artist that um, primarily did uh, cover, book covers and art for Star Wars stuff. Um, very, very good artist. I didn't really know who he was. His wife posted a thing online about um, how he was basically not making any money at conventions and how they were, you know, he he wasn't getting any um, he wasn't getting any 
people buying his artwork and nobody was coming to his booth and this stuff. And it was, it was a terrible article that at least it started a discussion, but it was a terrible article because she was basing, basically blaming the whole thing on cosplayers. And she was saying that the, no. she was saying that the, the, the cosplay community has taken over conventions to the point where they're no longer oh, reasonable for, for people trying to sell art. Positivity, positivity. Yeah, no, no, no. That's where I'm going with this. And it's like, it, to me, it's always been like, Maybe it's the fact that maybe that's not the right place for Dave Dorman to try and sell his that's stuff. That's the thing. I feel like um, uh, as a vendor, you need to yeah. choose the cons that are going to be best for your product. Okay. So if you do, you know, Star Wars related art, maybe go into a Star Wars. Go celebration. to a Star Wars celebration or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. The but the thing the thing that this brought up actually that it led to was about San Diego Comic Con about how. Um, it's not cost effective for creators to go to San Diego Comic Con yeah. anymore, and it's not cost effective for the comics retailers who thrive at places like Emerald City because mm-hmm. they go in and they sell back issues and they sell special issues and they sell all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, the largest comic retailer at San Diego is Mile High Comics, who's the one wow. of the largest in the country, um, and they're they're seriously contemplating pulling out of the con because they can't make money there anymore. Huh. No, and that's because San Diego is not about that anymore. It's like it, it you, smaller conventions are about going and getting back issues and talking to artists and doing that. That's why Emerald city is fantastic. Mm-hmm. San Diego is not about that. It's Seems about like it's swag about and celebrities and it's, it's media. about the, the newest, the newest product that's coming yeah. out. Yeah, it's week. definitely yeah. changed. Well, like Disney, like, Disney had plugged uh, their, their new rebels, star Wars yeah. rebels. It's coming out. Marvel, the Avengers, and Ant-Man, and all that kind of stuff. Well, so it's more like the, the media vehicle. It's not about the comic book right. industry And anymore. one of the things that I loved about, or that I, did, that I didn't like about Dave Dorman's, well, I can't remember her name, and I feel so bad because it, that's such a rotten thing to be like, this guy's wife. Um, that, you know, one of those quest objects. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, yes, but, because wives are quest objects. Denise Dorman? Maybe? No, they're... I don't know. Anyway, um, so, so one of the things that she was talking about was that... Um, Trophies. <laughs> one of the things that she was talking about that... Um, Do you see why I don't apply the word wife to myself? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I call myself yeah. wife's partner. Yeah. The the thing that uh, that was aggravating about it is that the focus of conventions is definitely shifting, right? Um for for cons like New York and San Diego and C2E2, it's it's all about celebrity and media and new stuff. Mm-hmm. Smaller cons, um, she was like, "Well, we you know we can't make money here." And all and the thing that I could all I could think to myself was that maybe that's not the intention. Maybe it's indirect, right? You might not pay for your table by shit that you sell at your table, mm-hmm. but ninety nine percent of the time that I walk up to it a creator's Denise Norman. Okay, ninety nine percent of the time that I walk up to a table at a convention for a creator, I already bought their shit. Mm. I own it already, and I'm trying to talk to that creator and get a signature and talk. You know, have a have a personal interaction, mm-hmm. and the positive personal interactions that I have lead me to stick with creators that I like. So it's an indirect... Colin Bunn. Colin Bunn. Six Gun was wonderful. You know what? I met him. Then I started pimping the Six Gun to everyone. Yeah, because he and Brian Hurt are both like the nicest guys in the world, right? And, And interacting with them at cons has done exactly what you're saying it's gotten me even more into their stuff because there's like uh, at emerald city comic-con not this year because i didn't go the year before that right 
Freaking Bruce Tim. Bruce Tim's sitting at a table. He's not selling anything. He doesn't have anything for right. you know anything. He's just sitting there. So you go up and talk to him. So I mean, he's not. I don't. I mean, I don't know if whatever, but he's not paying. He's not trying to make money to pay for his little area that he's sitting in. Yeah. Because people are just coming up there to talk to him, take pictures with him, ask him questions about Batman the animated series and all this other stuff. So uh, I'm like, I'm in agreement with you that it, I don't think it's so much. I think. Yes, there is a particular money-making aspect, but it shouldn't Especially be... Especially for smaller creators, right. honestly. Yeah. But it shouldn't be so much about making money. I think it's yeah. more about interacting with the fans mm-hmm. and like knowing your audience, like knowing the type of people that are, that are interested in your material. And paying, for, paying to go to a con, <clears throat> my opinion is, the mentality should not be, I need to defray the immediate cost of the con using the table at the con. Oh, yeah. It no. should be, should can I afford to go to this con based on my current income on what yes. I'm selling? And if I happen to be able to sell stuff there, awesome. But, like, if you can't, frankly, if you can't, as a creator, afford to fly across the country and pay for a table to go to a con, don't fucking do it. Yep. There's Indeed. no reason for you to. Like you're, you're, you're initiating unnecessary risk. Yeah. It's all about that um, ROI, y'all. But that's the thing, like, like Andy and I were talking about. It's the same, you know, it's the same thing that, like, the same experience we had with Ed Brisson. Like, yeah, Ed's another perfect example. You just, you know, I liked Ed's stuff. I got to know him because of Comeback. And interacting with him and talking to him at cons and talking to him and Johnny Christmas and those guys and Curtis yeah. Weeb, like, Curtis Weeb is awesome. Like, has gotten me way deeper into their stuff and i have bought i've bought virtually everything that both of them have done not only because of the fact that it's high quality but partially there are things like peter panzerfaust that i might not have ever ever even tried had i not met curtis and had awesome experiences with him and talked to him a right lot, right when you, when you like, meet- i loved intrepids and you know like i think i was the strongest i had the strongest feelings on that one mm-hmm. and then you know we met curtis and i'm like oh fuck yeah i'm gonna give rat queens a try and yeah like the interaction oh, with him you know Got all of us, you know, to read Rat Queens, basically. Yeah, I mean, because like I would, I think I would have had a hard sell being like, okay, guys, look, this is the guy who did the Intrepids, and I loved it, yeah. and I knew you guys thought it was okay, but you need to read Rat Queens, right? Like we've got so much stuff that you know gets pitched to us. We'll say definitely meeting someone and finding out that you're, you know, an artist or a writer that you really enjoy is actually a decent person. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. Makes you makes you want to like it. It almost puts you more in touch with their stuff because you're like. Oh man, like this is so great, and then you want to dig deeper, and yeah. like when they put out something that maybe isn't so mainstream, you still want to go get it because you're like, mm-hmm. hey, this. But then when you meet somebody like, like personally, like Alan Silvestri, I, I, I didn't think he was such a great yeah. dude, and then you know people talk about the Rob Liefeld, <laughs> yeah, we've had my horror story about Rob stuff Liefeld. like that, and it's I just told like, you about Alex Smiley, yeah, like solemnly drawing, and you upon. see you see their thing on the shelf, and you're like, you know what, fuck that guy. Well, and I'm that's, not going to get that. And that's you the experience I mean? that I had this at this Emerald City Comic Con with J. Scott Campbell. Um, he showed up and was it J. Scott Campbell? Is that who I'm thinking of? I think it was. Danger Girl Guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, where I went over and I got into line on like the second or third day of the con to get something signed by, by him. He had had some contests the day before where people entered a drawing and then he drew five names and those five people were going to get personal sketches. Okay, great. Except that I showed up. I was probably 20 people back in the line for him. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't even show up for the first half hour of the con or hour of the con. Mm-hmm. When he does sit down, 
we find out that um, those personal sketches and personal interactions are starting when he sits down. So before any of us in line even get to get up there and get something oh. signed, he's going to s- sit there and draw and talk to people for five full sketches. And the first one took an hour and ha- hour and a half. I'd have walked away. And I did. I did. I was like, I, yeah, I, he, got, he was almost done with the sketch. And I turned to the guy that was behind the booth. And I'm like, so I, I'd heard people talking about the contest, right? And he's like, is he going to do these before we even get signed? And the guy shakes his head. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. And I walked away. I don't understand why you couldn't do one, talk to a couple people. Yeah. Do another, talk to, you know, like. And that, and that to me, that interaction, those kinds of negative interactions are just as important as the, the positive. The positive ones get me to buy stuff. The negative ones make me look at J. Scott Campbell's stuff and be like, eh, douche, whatever. <laughs> So, I don't know. I, I think that the the returns from conventions are way more ephemeral than just did I sell enough stuff to pay for my table? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, absolutely. And if a con like San Diego is not doing it for a creator, then that creator shouldn't go to that con. Period. Yep. Like do do things that uh, are more that are that are better for your fans yeah. and more lucrative. And there's a ton of really rad cons out there, and yeah. some of them are going to be more about selling, and some of them are not. <laughs> All right, so for the last, well, technically the last week, because um, I know that a lot of the people who are out there listening right now, in, including probably Nick, uh, are expecting us to be reviewing um, uh, All Hell Megatron this week. Uh, we had a little problem because All Hell Megatron is being provided to us by a fan, and it was provided in physical copies, and when uh, Anne went and picked up the copies, we were just logistically couldn't get those copies to people in time we to live in different cities. Yeah. All of us got swamped <laughs> and it's really funny. Yeah. Uh, we couldn't get those copies to people in time for the show. So we rejiggered the, uh, the schedule today. We are doing furious. Uh, we will do all hell Megatron for the next episode. Uh, and then Hellboy is going to get shifted to episode 81 after we do our Transmetropolitan long read. But for now, for this episode, we are reviewing Furious. It is a five-issue miniseries uh, collected into trade by Brian J. L. Glass and Victor Santos, who are the creators of, also the co-creators of um, Mice Templar. Templar. Actually, I, I don't think Santos is considered a creator. He's the artist on it, but Emming and Glass are the guys that actually created it. Um, anyway, they did a separate storyline. And this is this is like apparently one of Glass's first creator-owned. Like, he's at the helm of writing. He's yeah. not co-writing with anyone. Yep. He's doing the thing. I remember that is something I remember talking to him about at Emerald City when he was when this was about to come out was mm-hmm. that he was like he was super excited that this was like his his thing. solo own thing. Like I think Victor Santos has a part in, in the creative oh, yeah. uh, side of it, and, but yeah, he was just like um, it was something that was in his file of ideas. And he ended up pitching it like... And apparently it was originally a short story in one of the Dark Horse Presents anthologies. And then they're like, you know what? This is cool. Let's You've had good fan response. Let's, Let's do a miniseries. Yeah. And you were the one that suggested this to us. So why don't you start us off and... Sure. Um, I knew that I wanted to do this on the show after, after reading the first issue. Um, just because I think this is an interesting take on... Um, on super on the superhero genre and like the idea of superheroes in an actual world. I want to kind of use the word superhero stardom. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot about stardom and fandom and stuff that's that's interesting to me in in this series. Um, 
as I said earlier, this is, this is like a former teen star who like went through the horrible cocaine and drunk driving phase and then cleaned up her shit. And um, we know by the end of the first issue that she is in fact now this this uh, superhero who is trying to call herself the Beacon. Everyone else is calling her Furious. I love that because it's it rings really true to like female celebrity, right? She's aspiring like the to idea this, but really everyone thinks she's this. That women aren't really in control of their own celebrity. And that at some point, like midway through, she's like, uh, she has to pull a PR stunt and basically be like, oh yes, I hear this is my name now. I'm the Furi- I am Furia now uh, in, in sort of like accepting this name and trying to make it her own. Have a, have you, you guys have all seen Sneakers, right? Yeah. No. You've no. not seen Sneakers. So there's a moment in Sneakers that every, as soon as I saw her trying to call herself the Beacon, all I could think of was <laughs> the, was the, and give him head every night. And give him help. Be a beacon in his sad and lonely life. <laughs> and then there's that scene later where he's like, give him head? And then they're like, be a beacon? <laughs> and that's all I could think about the moment they said that. Anybody who's seen Sneakers will know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen Sneakers, I will I loan it to you okay. because it is one of my favorite movies it's a of good all movie. time. It's yeah. really good. So anyway, yeah, continue. It's just a tangent about beacon. So, I mean... It- this is a relatively simple story. It's um, there's a superhero, there's a supervillain who, you know, spoilers is uh, has a similar Spoiler origin alert. story, um, and it's half of the battle is just like Furia slash the Beacon slash Candace Lark trying to like figure her shit out in terms of how to like she's kind of a really satisfyingly ineffective superhero yeah. well, it's more like she's she's actually an effective superhero except for the collateral damage right yeah. like she will get to a certain point in a fight lose control uh, beat the living hell out of someone far past the point of reason it kind of reminds yeah. me of Will Smith's character in Hancock, uh, Hancock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where yeah. like over, she's got these really great powers over the top but she's <laughs> just like fine control is a little bit beyond her ability at this point which honestly makes sense considering her past as like this out there starlet who has never really felt in control of her own life yeah. and like her dad got her hooked on prescription drugs when she was a kid like yeah. All kinds of of fucked up stuff has happened to her, and Mm -hmm. it makes sense that, like, she's sort of at zero or 60 in terms of, like... Yeah, where she's got this, she's got, uh, you know, this this dual problem. Her childhood has made her simultaneously really want to redeem herself Mm -hmm. and and, uh, put away bad people, but also... It didn't Destroyed her. her, didn't prep her and destroyed her control in that... Right. Area. And I think that's the theme of the whole series is like redemption and how as a legitimately fucked up person, one could actually cope with anything. Yeah. 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 And the and the one person that she did help when she was trying to redeem herself is the, the biggest evil person villain in the in the whole comic. You know, the, the my problem is, is they kind of buried the lead a really, really deep in this in this comic, because the first issue, I, I didn't get that she was Candace Lark. You know, I, I thought she was just some other superhero that was trying out and just kind of bumbling around and trying to figure her way out. And it, it had positioned Candace Lark as this other person that was just uh, a villain out there. 
in the in the first issue and the second issue she goes and tries to save the kid right and she's still kind of bumbling around and then in the third issue you kind of realize oh okay she is candace lark and she had this whole kind of um bad childhood and her dad and it's kind of dealing with that well and on top of that until issue four they're the way that they write it you're not really sure I think it might be on purpose because you're not really sure if she's actual Candace, actually Candace Lark at the beginning because when Perfidia shows up, mm-hmm. there's a moment where you're left to wonder if Perfidia is actually Candace Lark, yes, right? Sir. And there, and then who is this? Because for, when Perfidia first shows up and uh, the you know she starts talking, that you don't really know names of anybody yet. Yeah. Um, you start to wonder if. Um, perf- one, you start to wonder if Perfidia is Candace Lark, and my first initial thought is, I wonder, you know, they hadn't introduced um, the Jody as a friend yet, yeah. s- but they had talked quite a bit about her, her being one her of triplets. Sister. So now yeah. you wonder if Perfidia and her are two of the kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, it was. I did wonder about. I that. think it was intentionally ambiguous for yeah. the first part. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, it totally was, and I totally get that. It was just there was a, a lot of unspoken or there was a lot of stuff that wasn't really explained in the beginning of the comic and if i had just read this as a single issue i would have like okay i have no idea what's going on this is a mess i'm not going to read anymore but since i was reading it as a trade and saw how the story arc and how they revealed different things um it does make sense later on there's a moment i actually thought i thought similar to what what you guys thought and then I also thought that it was a split personality I thing. That, yeah. that she right, was yep. that that she, she was, was both characters. Both, yeah, both yeah. characters. She was having this She's internal psychotic break, internal and... psychotic battle. A la Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's I, I thought that too. So yeah. yeah, because there was a the scene where she was chasing down the mother that had kidnapped her kid, and she, there was this whole long rant tirade about fame. And mm-hmm. how you like? I'm I'm dealing with fame, you know. And I thought it had to deal with her being misconstrued as furious instead of instead of the beacon. And I didn't know it had to deal with the whole Candace Lark part of her personality. Right. And so I didn't really. I was like, why is she going off about fame so much? This is really not striking true with me. For me, it I literally did not know that Furia and Perfidia were not the same person. Yeah. Until not only until Perfidia walked up on her during the press conference, but until other people acknowledged that there was another person there, yeah. right? Because there was a moment where That's I was like, she, she, she turns and sees Perfidia and there's a moment where they could have gone either way with it, right? They, the crowd could have been like, who's she talking to? Yeah. Um, and True. the way that it was written that way. And then when when the camera guy and the, and the reporter finally acknowledge that Perfidia is a separate person and then the battle happens, I'm like, oh, okay, this is not... And then there was another scene where she was leaving the convenience store That's to go yes. chase after the kid and there was the Perfidia coming in with... Who was dressed the, the exact same exactly, disguise! The exact oh, yeah. same wait, d- disguise, too. I was like, okay, wait, wait. so is... Was the whole scene in the grocery store where she was dropping eggs? Was that somebody else? In uh, yeah, in there was confusion. Is, yeah, so there was like all this reading it a second time. Um, the eye color is distinctive. I know that's terrible because that's like not anything that you would naturally. You should pick be able to tell characters apart by their silhouettes. Silhouettes, yes, mm. and and that does suffer from identical silhouette syndrome. At the like. But I, that might I be definitely. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Yeah, I think it, it seems like it's about one girl like modeling her life off of another girl. Mm-hmm. I think they're and supposed think... to be built. They're supposed to be the, like yeah, the same. 
I think that was the, I think the whole I do think that all of that is intentional yeah. that it it the confusion is intentional yeah. and um it's just that it, it I'm not sure it's executed as well as it could have been mm-hmm. um because for me it it generated less wonder and more confusion, uh-huh. if that makes sense. It, it, there, it wasn't like, who, I, huh, I wonder if this is right. Or it was more like, wait, what the fuck's going on? Uh, okay. um, until, That's how I felt. You know, until it finally got to that fight scene where Perfidia takes the kid and, you know, all this right. stuff happens. Like, and then everything makes sense. But before yeah. that, yeah, like, there's, there's a scene where Perfidia is just... Um, pause. Man down. Man down. Man, da- man, man down. down. Man oh. down. Okay. Holy crap. Just press right? rec mode. I don't know what that means. Holy God! No, it's fine. Just keep, keep, keep talking. <laughs> we'll just keep. <laughs> hey, that's the Jeff okay. Callis. Keep going. Just keep. Just, just keep it going. Um. Yeah. So. The, I don't and need the, that chair anyway. <laughs> so there was that, and um, um, and he was gonna flip tables. Pay no attention. Literally, his his feeling of the book caused the chair to destruct. My feelings. My emotions. <laughs> my emotions are overpowering. So I had no when I was. Hey Luke, don't lean back in those chairs. When I was reading the comic, I had no idea that they're all different. I, why? Why am I even trying? No, it's, yeah, the no, rage, try. it's, it's the rage. It's the It's 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 the similar to Fury's powerhouse. The more she gets hit, the more powerful she Which becomes. Which is a cool power. I like the mix. Yeah. That, that, that's actually okay. Pretty, so there yeah. is there is one issue that I have with this that didn't ring true was with the the <laughs> whole super with the serial killer. Right, so yeah. they've established that it, the kinetic energy that she gets gives her more powers. Right, so she gets mm-hmm. hit with a sniper bullet, and she's like, "Oh, she turns that into rage, whatever," rage and power. saves her. Yeah, rage. and saves her. So like if that's the case, land. then when a whole pile of bricks lands on top of her, um, that's not I, I feel kinetic like she, energy. She, she should have gotten a little something, something from that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally understand they wanted to sh- like establish. They wanted to. They wanted to establish that she's fearful and not rageful, and no. so she's not getting any. No, power no. From this that. is what happened. So, in my opinion, this is what happened. What happens is, is that because she was caught off guard because of re- she 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 lowered her guard because she thought she was helping someone. Right. Mm. She was caught off guard by the trap, and then immediately was scared because she was. It was. Huh. It was. It was. So she was like, "Oh crap! Oh crap! Oh crap!" And fear because she's powered by rage. Fear does the yeah. opposite. It drains her power. It drains it, her powers, okay. and that's what happened. Is that the thing? Because when she was pretty fearful, when she got hit by a truck, and she still survived. Kind of, she was no, kind when of she got hit meditative. by a truck, she was she She's was like, off. Huh. She got caught off guard. No, no, no. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The th- I don't think that the I don't think that the invulnerability power and the strength are both powered by rage. No, I think I her invulner I think her invulnerability, she talks about how her invulnerability just happens. It yeah. you know, she she absorbs energy and it dissipates, right? That's why she can get hit by a truck. That's why she can fall and so scrape against the ground. Focus it and, and and I don't think that so that's and I that's why the when the thing falls on her, it doesn't crush her. Uh-huh. It just pins her and it's it's her her strength that's powered by her rage, her ability to actually punch the shit out of but people, But I think right? her invulnerability is powered by her confidence because every time she gets basically hit with something that can kill her, she's confident. Remember she tells the guy, she's like, I, you know, something, 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 go ahead, take your best shot, right? 
And, she, and every time she's in a position, like, okay, for example, she shows up to the scene and she's quoting that movie line. She's like, your authority, like my power oh, yeah. eclipses your authority. She's at, she's at the height of her confidence, right? And all the way into the store when she's talking to the guy and everything, right before that sniper takes a shot, she is at the height of her confidence. She's like, I've established a presence. I've done this. Mm-hmm. I've done that. And then that's why the bullet doesn't phase her. So pretty much every aspect of her power is powered is is made stronger it's by funny. whatever emotion I didn't she feels get that impression at all at, at yeah. the time. But when she does get hit by the truck, she is not confident because the whole time she's trying to figure out how am I going to do this. She was caught off guard by the truck. Yes, but she wasn't confident. Can I have a theory that isn't isn't based on women confidence? powered by emotions? Um. <laughs> awesome. Uh, you know, I don't think you actually can. Uh, so. I think it's just kinetics, honestly, and I think yeah. it has to do with velocity. Because think about the amount of force that getting hit by a truck versus like a ceiling falling in on you. Yeah, but that's a lot of kinetic energy. True, and I think it's something to do with the dissipation and focus. Because she didn't even figure out that she could focus that energy into yeah. punching until like halfway through. So it's more about impulse. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think it's. Such I a mean, big I think she did panic when she was trapped yeah. under the stuff, but I don't think it's such a big deal to think that she's powered by emotion because that is the whole premise of the lantern oh yeah no. the whole premise of the lantern universe well, it's already it's, it's they've will, already yeah emotion, will, will like, hope it's, rage. they've already yeah. proven that that's the point of this comic book as well yeah. it's a rage it's her rage that powers her power her yeah. strength rage, i mean and she an can't escape that because she and you know mm. maybe maybe that's Maybe that's a negative mark on this. I mean, it's not. It's not quite as it bad could as be. Princess, I don't think It's so. not quite as but bad as Super Princess Peach, like solving problems oh by crying by until shit floods. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I don't think it's such a big deal because it's not. Super she's not Princess the first. She's not the first character in existence of of, uni- of a comic book universe. Hulk. Hulk, Hulk yeah, exactly. the Red Lanterns, like there's lots of characters and who mm-hmm. their rage makes them stronger. Frankly, she's a three dimensional character. Yeah, it, it's one. not a it's who? not a mechanic. Gladiator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. he's uh, he's not. as powerful as he's confident. Yep. Hmm. So I, I I don't I, I, personally that's I think that the reason why yeah, I get I that th- is by reading certain things and 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 looking at certain situations that are happening from from my view is it seems that it is very I mean. Obviously, the rage, rage is an emotion. It's very emotionally based, but there also is the kinetic energy part because yeah. of she. She does say she's absorbing stuff, and it and it absorbs and absorbs. Why she this lets one. the serial killer beat her up because she's like she's like go ahead, take okay. your best shot. Yeah, so okay, right, and that makes so. Her, right. Thank you for explaining it because that's the one thing is like, well, sh- she got hit with a whole bunch of kinetic energy <laughs> with the fucking you know hoarder booth landing on top of her or whatever but then that explains that explains why she couldn't lift off all the weights that were yeah. did land on top of her i hope that our listeners actually get this comic because the one thing we didn't do today was describe at all what this comic's actually about aside from your little brief yeah thing um but themes i'm um i want to talk about the art because I'm, I hate, I hate saying this. I'm, re- I'm really kind of disappointed in the art in this book. Um, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. There's just, it's. Sorry, this this is not an objective review. Uh, the, <laughs> the artwork for, uh, the. That's because none of us are objects, Luke. I don't, I don't know. It's just. It's weird for me to say this because um, Victor Santos, the only the the first and so far only exposure to Santos's art that I've had before this was Mice Templar, and in Mice Templar, um, I really 
it's awful, but I really feel like he's more constrained to trying to emulate Emmings uh, sure. Templar mm-hmm. art, uh, Mice Templar art. So um, this is the first ex- uh, like experience I have with him drawing human characters for one and, and oh. drawing a, a superhero book. And there's something about it that I just am not a fan of. And I, it's not... But then again, to put this in context, I think he's I think he's somewhat he's got a similar art style to Emming, but not Oming, Emming, whatever. But not Emming. you know, it's not identical, clearly. There are times in this book where I feel like his artwork is nearly a dead cross between uh John Avon Emming and John? Mike. Say, Mike. Why did I say John? Between Mike Avon Emming and John Romita Jr. That's why I said like, because there oh. are there are definite panels where I'm like, wow, that looks like Romita Junior's art a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm forgetting your elevator pitch for your opinions on Romita Junior. Generally, don't like except that one book that we read. Or no, no, no I actually thing. really, I really like. Do really like? Okay. I really like John Romita Junior's stuff. Uh, I, I know a lot of people that don't, but he's um, he's the same no matter what he draws, and uh, he can't draw children to save his right. life. Right, that was the thing. Um, I think that Santos is better at children. Yeah, I I just I don't know. There's there's just some something loose about his art that I just don't like. Um, and it's not it's it's a total personal thing. It's like clearly you guys. I it was fine. Yeah, it's clearly when I said I don't like the art, you guys all went. <laughs> um, so it's it's not it's clearly not a, a mechanical thing. I don't think there's anything mechanically necessarily wrong with his art. I just think that the, that especially for this book, there's something about it that doesn't work for me. I thought the colors so, work incredibly well. Uh, I think the colors help a lot. So I actually have uh, polar came from the cold, which is by Victor Santos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, with the book is it's tritone. It's black, white, and red. Um, but I think that colorizing Victor Santos's work really, really makes it pop. It feels super comic booky to me. Yeah. And I think that is the right art style for this book. It's a very clean, defined style. And it's a nice break from like it's talking animal comics, right? Right. Well, uh, specifically, <laughs> I'm thinking more along the lines of it's not hyper realistic. True. It's you know it is comic booky. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So, um, I, as I was, I was talking to Luke prior to the show, and I know I had like a, a five v five, but pretty much this is what it is. It was like for everything that I liked about the book, there was something that like I came across and I was like, I don't like that. Um, so I'm not gonna go with five. I'm gonna go with three things each. The art, I personally like. That drew me in. I the covers I think are great, mm-hmm. um, especially like the issue one with the blood on her fist and like I like that right there. If I saw that in a store and I've never seen this in a store, so I'm kind of disappointed. If I saw that, that cover would have made me grab that book. That that would have been enough for me to say I'm going to take a chance and read this. Nice. Um, and that stuff like that, unless I'm already unless I'm already invested in um, a character like Captain America or Batman. Um, it takes it takes something to draw me in, and that cover would have definitely been been the opening reason for me to pick pick up issue one. I totally read Manhattan Projects because the design was attractive. Exactly, you know, it's like a it's like it like like a freaking like like a bird, something shiny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll talk about something I didn't like. Um, there's some some of the ambiguity in the writing style makes it kind of hard to keep track of what's going on. They're doing a lot of flashes. Yep. They're doing flashes, which I'm not opposed to flashing back and forward. 
but they're doing flashes at some of the most inopportune times, and you get confused about the story. I I, I agree there, they, especially the especially when they're in the um, they start flashing back and forth when they first introduce who Perfidia is and yes. who Jody is when they're flashing back and forth between uh, the current day and uh, trying to show the history right. between the two. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like because I started to think that Jody was furious and that Perfidia yep. was like I'm like okay who is because yeah. I'm like I can't really I, I, it was mm-hmm. really hard for me to discern who is who. Ditto. That that kind of that that kind of threw me off a little bit and that was that would be something that I kind of didn't like um, something I did like. I like Furia as a character. I like her character development. I like the. I like her motive. I, I uh, because I think that all all good superheroes do have a motive. Whether it's yep. you know the American way, truth, justice, you know Batman, his whole freaking revenge, uh, you know for his parents, or you know just some people just want to be do gooders or whatever. I like her motive because she's honestly out to do really good things, and she loses control. And I think. I believe that fits the average person stereotype as far yeah. as if you were a person, you were granted powers today, you would you might have the intention to do all these good things, but at some point, you're, you're just going to lose control, and mm-hmm. you're just not going to be able to control your powers. So I really like that they humanize her um, in, the, in, the fact of, in the fact of developing her character to be like, yeah. I can relate. That this is a this this could actually happen. That she's actually she's actually learning the control of her responsibility and powers through mistakes. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. That's so refreshing. Which exactly. is which is something that aggravates me about a lot of superhero comics. You, they're is instantly when, like, masters of their abilities. Yeah, exactly. They're they're just they're automatically they like they're not only instantly masters <laughs> of their abilities, but they're automatic. They automatically know the the limits uh, how to navigate how the to, yeah. legal system. Yeah, the limits of their Day um, one top tier, <laughs> it, and that's one of the that's one of that's always been one of my biggest problems with Superman is the fact that he's the most powerful person Day on the planet, and the only reason why <laughs> in the comic books he's such a caricature that the only reason why he ever controls his powers is because Pa Kent told him so, exactly. and that's and that's. <laughs> Now I'm just thinking of uh, Supreme Power, Hyperion killing a puppy when he's two on accident. Yeah. Yeah. Zot. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I really do like that part. Uh, Characters, something I don't like. I I really actually have a high disdain for the fact that 99% of the male characters in this book are douchebags. Um, that that kind of because because it puts it, when I started reading this it put me along the same line. It was so it was so funny because the same week I had a conversation about somebody about um, a particular group of minorities and how that one one person does one thing and they're immediately all pigeonholed into this into this group. Just yeah. just as a as an aside though, when when Anne was talking about Geek Girl Con, didn't we all have jokes about? No, no, no. Girls. Okay, so there's, there's I'm just right. saying. Well, this yeah. thing's okay, it's I'll, tell you, true. I'll tell you. I only took it. I only took it so seriously. I'm not gonna say that. Like, I immediately. I, I didn't toss. I didn't break my iPad. My iPad in half, or I didn't freaking <laughs> send email and a, a bad email. Like, how dare you recommend this to me or something like that? But it was something that I definitely observed and noticed that ultimately, in my opinion, she she is a a, a girl with with heavy daddy issues. And every single man she interacts with is a shitbag. No. no, no, no. That's, that's uh, but I think no, uh, well, that's, I'm, that's I'm, true. But I think that's the whole point of the storyline yeah. with well, the grocery clerk guy. Well, let me. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Let me. Let, right. So the grocery guy, though, right? He's a legit bro. He's like an actual like great. He's a good dude. He's a he's he's a, a good person. He you know he 
I mean, he hits on her or whatever, but not in like a a, a freaking douchey way. No, and and he's actually just trying to be nice, right? So, and her, but what pisses me off is her reaction to that is that she says to him some shit like, uh, "I don't do too well with fragile things," and I'm and like at that point, I was like, "Who the?" F- but that's who, the point of this character. Uh-huh. She's supposed I, to be a kind of bitchy in that particular situation not and also she was but this is her redemption period she's not supposed to be that was at the beginning of the book mm-hmm. at the end of the book she's reasonable and they go on dates and that's the yeah. redemption this is right yeah. that, you're right that character that, arc that is and, character but arc. that's her whole thing is that throughout all this she finally meets a decent guy and she's like you know what i'm not gonna fuck this up so i'll, I'll just let you know this what go. the only reason i cannot say that is because her family right and who shows up at that press conference they seem like pretty decent people, right? And the ones except they're the ones that that experimented on her. Well, the one boy. Well, no, because the one son, the youngest son or whatever, was not part of that. He was simply involved in the family, and he tried to reach out. And then remember, he tried to reach out to her, and the uncle was like, "No, no, no, we can't," or whatever. But the one son was trying to, you know, establish a re- reconnect with her on a family level. Okay, pause. You're talking about the two guys at the end of the book, right? We're talking about the press conference and the yeah, three people okay. yeah. staying there. Yeah, that was her family. I thought those were the scientists that experimented on her to get her. No, clean. that was the. It is, no, it is. Those those are scientists that that experimented on her, or were they her family? They had been trying to reach out to her. No, her family's dead. Her yeah. whole family her is no, dead no, in this book. Her, her, all of her siblings and her father are dead. Yes, exactly. Dead but she still has cousins yeah, and uncles. Yeah, and whatnot, yeah, she Because did. they called her in the beginning. Exactly, they call her. Well, and so, I don't, and I don't <clears throat> think I, I I think it's a little of both. I got the impression that the old guy who was the scientist that was experimenting on her that gave her the powers was also a member of her family. It was like her dad's brother or so, like an uncle or convenient. something. But but I don't know. That's another yeah. thing that's a little ambiguous uh-huh. in the book. So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it is. Which I don't mind it being ambiguous, but that's also part of why I believe that I don't believe that this is. Um, uh, a standalone miniseries. Like Anne was yep. thinking that it was a standalone. I, I feel like is. there's. I feel like there's. They're leaving plot threads open for future stories. Yeah, it might be a standalone yeah. right now, but I have a feeling like with many things, they pitched a five issue series. They do it, and yeah. if it's popular enough, they can. They have threads right. that they can pull because on. Because then, to, why would you bring in that ambiguous FBI agent? And why would yeah. you? Why would you not find Perfidia's body and have that that open right. thread of her coming back? Um, so. To, to finish my last point, the the thing is, is that as I'm reading the book, first you come along the the shitty father, got it, right over that happens, right? Then like there's the flashback with Jody where uh, oh now it's a pimp, and then before that the freaking store owner, he's kind of a douchebag too, and then there's one of the juvenile kids who he's just like freaking talking, he's he's not looking at her face when he's talking to her, he's like freaking boobs and down, you know, when he's interacting with her, and then there's the the shithead fucking. Uh, SWAT cop, you know, what I mean, like mm. every I pretty, I pretty and a much serial killer and the serial, yeah, yeah oh, oh my god, copia of douchebags, yeah, and the serial, the serial killer who's like all about violence against women. So like, and then, and then in the beginning, they insinuate with the when she first shows up to that house, the domestic violence call, right, quote unquote. They insinuate that that guy is beating his wife when mm-hmm. that couple was actually tormenting. Uh, the so college students. The that college was on, students. That was on purpose. That particular one, I, I, that that was a, that was definitely on purpose. Mm. Yeah. So it's just like so. Basically, what you did is you you went through the the universe of people and you found every single way that you could call a guy a shithead and you put it in this comic. Let me put so, this in a different context for you, though. Really? Let me let me let me put this in a different context. Uh, y- 
in a way you're right but there's two things at play here one when they're showing her childhood uh like her father being a douchebag and everything is intentional clearly that's supposed to set up the it's supposed to set up her fall and her and now her drive toward redemption right is the fact that she's basically messed up by the fact that her family's dead and the one person who was left in her family fucked her over um as the story progresses, that experience with her father, like you call it daddy issues, but that experience with her father colors how she interacts with every other person in her life. It colors her interactions with... Every other with, male. With, mm-hmm. Sure, let's call it that, fine. Um, but it's not that... It's not that in an overarching story world, every guy is an asshole she is putting herself in situations where the people she is dealing with are assholes, right? Like, it's not, it's not just that, that Brian J.L. Glass is writing all the guys to be dicks. It's that the whole point of the story is that um, she's trying to redeem herself, but because of her lack of knowledge and her lack of control, the, the situations that she's putting herself in, the people she's trying to fight against are unintentionally reinforcing her shitty experiences from her childhood when and that's what's causing her lack of control Uh right so can i pose one question is the swat captain not just doing his job based upon orders from the police chief oh i I didn't think he was like a terrible person i think he was just like irritated she hit him for no reason yeah. She literally hit. No, that's no, not. No, she, she got didn't. shot in the face. And he said, like, "It was." And he said, "I try shot you in the face." Okay, okay. but that was next upon- time. Next time you get shot in the face, let's find out if you care whether it was or who it was ordered by. <laughs> I mean, that's no. that's the point. And, but, of it was ba- but, but it was ba- but it was based upon a civil servant, right? Doing what they were ordered to do by no, someone higher. It than wasn't. Them. It wasn't ordered to do because later on it says that guy's under review because he took. He went out on his own to but kill her. The there guy was also a point where she punched was the guy who ordered to shoot her. Mm-hmm. Now, now remember also what did there's a part in the book where they say she is a clear and present danger mm-hmm. to all to to everyone. But wait a minute, mm-hmm. Eddie, and they had to take her down. The whole point. So you say she punched him for no reason. Look at the character we're talking about. The whole point, the the whole last half an hour, we've been talking about how she's imperfect, mm-hmm. how she makes mistakes, how right. she does things uh, without thinking. Right. Yeah. And that's the she didn't punch him. For, one, I think of she all the people that she. I think of a lot of the people that she punched in this book. He probably had it coming. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> and, and but yeah. In the moment, she gets shot in the face. She stands up and realizes that the reason she got shot is standing in front of her, and she loses control and punches him. Mm-hmm. And that, I don't think that that is a. Um, it's it's understandable. It's it's yeah. it's. There's a clear motivation, yeah. and frankly, she is the sort of person who will do that regardless of who the person yeah. is and if they were yeah. just doing their job. And she had to dissipate that rage too. Yeah, she so just she, figured out that she yeah. has this new power. Yeah. So this is, and with, just to say, with Luke, what you were saying about how she's such a a fuck up and still learning her powers, that was the one thing that I really enjoyed about this, that they, that Glass did a really good job at the very end, at the cliffhanger, when she's going to save the kid, and there was actually a little bit of doubt that she wouldn't actually save that kid. Yeah, I know. I was there was. There that was whole time doubt. was like, oh, this kid's going to splatter. <laughs> oh, the whole entire so, time. You know, and that was, that was a good... That was a good job by the writer of s- establishing this character and that, oh, she might not redeem herself. I really like the display of her fragility. That 
because most comic book characters are always displayed as all powerful, stoic, very yes, very little weaknesses, and then actually to exploit that weakness, you can only do it on like the fucking twelfth moon, where it's in the sixth cycle of the eighth month. You of, may have one manly of the of the God Garden fucking celebration, right? Yeah, she is fragile. She like she's she's like there's a different peak. She's all powerful at some point where she's invulnerable and she's super strong and she can fly and this and that. And then there's these low points where she is like literally helpless and she's trying to come to terms with that. And I think that for for her character development, I think that's an awesome an awesome perspective. I really liked the way they handled it because it was very similar to not the comic book version, but to the movie version of Kick Ass when uh, when Kick Ass has that moment of. Oh my God! What the fuck am I doing? <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So yeah, let's. Uh, we want to wrap this up with a buy, borrow, burn, and uh, I guess we'll start with Anne. I would buy it. In fact, I did. Yeah. Huzzah! Now, now, if those who listen to the show know how few, how very rarely Anne actually buys single issues of comic books, <laughs> which and, this is a tide. My tide is turning. I now, you know, do this thing. But Excellent. Yeah. Even even yes. I would tell past me. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. I would tell past me to buy this yes. as well. So Eddie, buy Barburn. Mm, buy uh, bar. <laughs> okay. Joel. Buy it. Okay. Yeah. Andy. I own it. Buy. Um, it's good. I'm on. The, I'm on the upside of borrow because uh, I th- I do think it has. I think it has some flaws, but um, it's worth reading. Then that's totally a borrow, right? And yeah, it's it's borrow it's a, it from me. It's a borrow, and you know, as with anything, if you like it, buy it. But um, I think it's worth borrowing first to find out if you're okay with the flaws. I I, I actually I'm thinking about picking up the trade to lend to people as well because I got yeah. the singles, but I don't necessarily want to lend those out. Yeah. Sure. Okay, so we've got three borrows, two buys. No, no. Three buys, two borrows. So wait, uh, let me just interject since we are recording now. Uh, we'll leave it up to the listeners. Hey guys, um, let us know what you think about the Civil War storyline and if it was good, bad, or you're indifferent towards it. If you read Marvel books. Uh, and it's because we're, the reason, f- listeners, the reason this is coming up is because they're talking about doing Civil War in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and uh, there seems to be a lot of dissension about that. Like, yeah, yes. So uh, we want to know what your if, opinions are, and please, please let me know on the trade sequence discussion or on the on Twitter, whichever one, your opinion and what you think the best Marvel event ever was. After the discussion we were having off off mic, I'm curious. Like, have there been good ones? Oh God, yes, <laughs> yes there I have. Know, I mean, Eddie and I have our feelings, but we don't want to influence the listeners. Yeah, we don't. Okay. We're not going to talk about it because cool. we don't want to influence the listeners exactly. No, talk about it because th- I just want to hear what your opinions are. And and fuck influencing the listeners if they don't have their own opinions formed already. Then <laughs> then, <laughs> then uh, whatever. So Eddie then and we I, will mold them to our will. Uh, Eddie and I both are of the opinion that Civil War is actually a really good storyline. Yes. Yeah. Um, because of the ramifications and the fact that the books that tie into it actually tie into it in unique ways. In a good, yes. Yeah, they, they play into the story, but they're not part of the story. Right. The example I was giving was the fact that the Thunderbolts team that existed during the Civil War storyline was not a criminal rehabilitation program. It was a team of the most brutal psychopaths that they could get to hunt down people <laughs> who were avoiding the mutant who, registration. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and they were the good Superhero. guys. Yeah, they were, and, you know, in that, in that timeline, like, according to America, they were the good guys. Yes. Uh-huh. The that, thing... That story for this, I will tell you what reels me into that storyline. 
for the simple fact that that storyline was caused by a mutant mishap. Yep, speedball on a Speed- reality TV show. Yes, blows up like part of a part city. of a city and kills a whole bunch of 3, people, people. Inclu- including people on his team. Yeah, you think that would be inevitable? For the yes, it is. Then it becomes, but for the simple and- fact that this mm-hmm. was caused by a mutant mishap, and the mutant question had already been a, been a thing in Marvel forever, that that was able to bleed over into. Into metahumans or not metahumans? Uh, like metahumans vi- is DC, buddy. Metahumans is DC. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, superhumans, ge- gene- superhumans, yeah. genetically altered people, and you know, vigilantes. Just all that is. I just think that that crossover and that bleed over was was perfect in even uh, a political sense, like the way it whole re- the, re- the way it reads. So here's the thing that, um, like. I'm going to briefly state my opinion. I don't like Civil War. I think it's poorly. I think it's a poorly executed event that has a. It has a fantastic idea and a, a fantastic inception, and a really poor execution through the through the event. That's it. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. However, one of the things that baffles me about them trying to put this into the MCU is one, they don't have mutants in the MCU because those are separated out to the Fox right. uh, X Men universe, and two, as as of yet, they don't have any secret identities. So the whole one of the biggest points in, yeah. in Civil War was the concept that the government could potentially like that that people with secret identities had to register their real identity with the government. So somebody yeah. in the government would who always know who they were. But that doesn't exist in the MCU, and even and building it into the MCU just to move into a Civil War storyline mm-hmm. seems forced. Maybe yeah, it seems like a bad it seems like a bad way to go. Then again. I also am the type of person that I really just want them to go a completely different direction with the MCU. Do original stories. Don't try and rehash bullshit. I know they're yeah. already rehashing bullshit with Age of Ultron, but just like take the universe you've built and do original stuff. It's fine to introduce characters like Winter Soldier because Winter Soldier is a fantastic character. Um, you mean Bucky? Yeah. <laughs> Bucky Barnes. But... Do original shit. Do you know I, if, you're, if you have to galaxy. do? If you have to do a right. crossover, do an original crossover. I, do something different. I'm like, I kind of agree and disagree because there are certain there are certain things in comic books, certain events, or certain stories in comic books that I've really always wanted to see on screen, just like, for their like iconic nature. Exactly. Like I read them and they were great, and it's like, man, that would be awesome live action, or that would be awesome animated I, and i would love to like i know they'll never do it but i would love to see extinction agenda which was the one where hodge starts collecting all the mutants and everyone gets genosha in genosha yeah, yeah. That, i think i think, I think super that, cool I, I, there was I, a little bit of but of the problem is you got to entrust that to fox in, that is yeah. the problem wolverine the, and the x-men did you watch that animated series yes yeah. i've seen it it's pretty good I mean that and that's just my opinion there's just certain things and i think there are other people out there that there's certain things they would like to see you know see on on, you know, on in cinema, and you know, no, I don't, I don't disagree with you there, but and I mean, nice so why see them also do original content, especially stuff that frankly will sell well, especially in movie form, like a Black Widow movie, mm-hmm. uh, fucking Wonder uh, Woman. Movie. I would love to see some sort of take on X Force, not the cable yeah. one, but the Wolverine one that's a Kill Squad. Yeah, with yeah. Like, uncanny X Force. Uh, well, I, there's three. Sure, but, yeah. but I, Logan's <laughs> dead. I would like to see yeah. a live action Suicide Squad movie. That'd Suicide cool. Squad, X Force, Thunderbolts, any of those would make Suicide an Squad is coming out twenty six. Yeah, and I saw that. Um, yeah. DC again, DC we're stated DC stuff. DC yeah. Yeah. stated twelve different twelve different movies. You see or something some of like Suicide that? Squad on Arrow. 
Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Death stroke. Did but, you know that? Did, but the 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 beautiful thing, beautiful and stupid thing about that announcement is the fact that uh, they made it pretty wildly obvious that the the DC television universe and the DC cinematic yeah. universe are going to have nothing to do with each other nothing. Yeah. because they're going to make a Flash movie with Barry Allen that's got a completely different guy playing Flash uh-huh. than the one in the TV show mm. and that's just stupid. It is. Yeah. It's and, just and stupid. Marvel has managed to keep to connect their TV universe yeah, because the Marvel even Cinematic the, Universe the Age of Seal is part of this and when stuff happens in a movie it happened on Age of Seal. Even I, the I stuff that, awesome. Yeah and even the stuff that's going to come out on Netflix the Defenders TV shows and the stuff leading into it Alias. is going to be part of the same okay. universe. Here. So Iron Fist and Luke Cage and Daredevil and Jessica Jones will they might not be top tier characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe but you know they're going to be there kind of like um, um, Constantine no 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 the, ch- the shield chick that's played by the oh Agent oh. Carter no 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 well yeah Carter too Victoria but. Hand no the no, fucking the- Nick Fury's right hand woman Agent Victoria May Victoria Hand Agent May no no Agent May no, Jesus no, Christ uh, the one that's played by the chick Maria from Hill. Oh, Maria yes, Hill Maria Hill oh, oh, Jesus oh Maria Hill Christ <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have the next three episodes uh, planned out. Like I said, the schedule changed a little bit. So the next episode, episode 79, is going to be uh, Transformers All Hail Megatron, was, which was provided to us by a fan uh, named Nick. Thank you very much, Nick. Uh, so. Episode 80 is going to be our long read of Transmetropolitan. We are reading the entire main run of the main comic book. We're not doing any of the side shit, but... Um, and then episode 81 is going to be the first uh, the first two arcs of Hellboy, which is Seed of Destruction and um, Wake, Wake the, the Devil. Devil. Uh, and then we will have episodes up through episode 90 scheduled out uh, sometime in the next few weeks. I know that our our long... What, what were we going to do for the long read for 90? Preacher? Lucifer? Lucifer. Lucifer. Preacher was going to be episode 100. So, um, so yeah, we're going to get up through the Lucifer long read scheduled out so everybody can take part in the show if they want to. Um, uh, if you guys want to be a part of the show, if you want to participate, you can email us at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash podcast. Very active group. We talk, uh, f- talk to fans there all the time, talk amongst ourselves about comic book issues. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Trade Secrets Pod. We're all individually on Twitter. Mathastrophe. Andy is Mathastrophe. Superfly. And being tweets. And Grape Doctor. Eddie. And I am at Geeky Leet. Uh, yeah, we love getting we love getting fan mail and we love getting interactions with fans. That's how Nick actually got a hold of us to do all, all Hail Megatron. He uh, we do take fan suggestions. If you want to see us do a specific book on the show and you want us to to review something, uh, please do so. Uh, please suggest it, and we will very likely get it in the show. Especially if, like Nick, you just want to provide us with copies of the comic book for free. <laughs> sure, let's do it. Uh, so thank you, Andy, for having us in your apartment this weekend. Anytime. Thank you, Joel, for coming up. Hey, no problem. Thank you, Ann. You're welcome. Thank you, Eddie, for driving up here. The long drive. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. <laughs> Thank you very the much. The Green Mile. I am Luke. This is Trade Secrets Podcast, episode 78. And out. out. Working harder, making better, doing faster, makes us stronger. All than ever, after hour, work is never over. Working harder, making better, doing faster, makes us stronger. All than ever, hour after hour, work is never over.